here we are. We're on again today with a, another episode of Bros and Arrows, brought to you largely uncut, unfiltered, and completely unedited. So when we f up, you get to enjoy. Uh, today I'm on with uh, Scott Price. Hey guys, how's it going? Scott is actually going to start being my stand-in co-host for Bros and Arrows. Oh, God. Let the downturn begin. Yeah, I mean, it, it can't get any worse. So, <laughs> I mean, if we're going to just go for dismal and uh, we'll just we'll just do it together. But, That's yeah, right. this, uh, we, we decided to launch uh, Bros and Arrows, and this will actually be the actually the first truly recorded um bros and arrows that is a separate podcast from this is hot boga so lucky you you're right on there welcome and i see your connections got what's that your connection your little uh i don't know what that's called like an avatar right yeah, it's it's a nice, that's a cute little picture. Is that you taking a picture? Oh, you can see that. Oh, yeah, that's from when I lived out in Illinois. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. So that's, my little. Yeah. No, that's a picture of you taking a picture or a video. I can't. It's it's small. I I can't yeah, really see. That's it. when I interned with Whitetail Properties out there. I didn't know you could see that. Yeah. So you. Uh, well, I mean, like I said, we we've we've talked to you guys before, both you and your brother, because of. Uh, the bear hunt and then you were just on which ended up turning into a bros and arrows episode um yeah, we just yeah. kind of did the season recap we did a bear recap and then we did a, an entire season recap but right. why don't you uh give a little bit of your background and just so everybody knows a little bit more about who you are and who they're listening to the voice um i'm, I'm one the better half of price brothers outdoors uh we my brother and i grew up here in northeast pa We've been in the woods since we could walk with our dad. Um, you know, anything there's a season four, we're going to be out there hunting it, whether it's small game, bears, deer. We'll dabble with some predators a little bit. Um, and, of course, turkey's coming up here shortly. So uh, we're just a couple regular guys and, you know, no uh, acted out BS or posed shots. It's as it happened and take it or leave it. Yeah, which um... – <laughs> which th our last episode we got into that a little bit about doing it for the gram and all yeah, these yeah, yeah. stage photos and and I, I every once in a while I, I throw one up actually i think the day we sure. talked i think the day we talked i actually posted a uh for the gram photo type shitting thing um yeah but yeah i try to i try to do it do it too like i'll i'll, I'll play into the the throwbacks and stuff like that but i try to yep. keep everything as it happens right um yeah, especially our videos, we do that. I mean, we're not going to walk backwards just so we can shoot them walking up to the turkey or whatever, or, you know, bear, or whatever. Yeah. Well, we mentioned in turkey season, we're <laughs> fastly approaching. Sure. Um, are you – well, you ha you guys have the contest going again for the second year. Yeah. And yep. Uh, so that's – is it what, – what's the – is it just – it's the turkey contest sponsored – you know, you guys sponsor it through the – Price Brothers Outdoors heading. Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is that an Instagram-based only, or do you guys put stuff on Facebook, too? Or 
How do you dabble in the Facebook? Last year we had very little interaction on Facebook, and I think I'm seeing that with everything, not just our our uh, hunting content. People seem to be using that less. And honestly, I can't stand Facebook, so but it kind of turns me off from putting much into it. Yeah, and how fucked is it that two grown men are sitting here on a podcast talking about hunting and social media together? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it it's it absolutely baffles me. I, I as as I asked that question, and you, uh-huh. and I'm uh-huh. like, what the hell happened to grown men? Um, but yeah, I'm guilty of it too. I play on the social media and uh, this podcast, and it, it is a great uh, it's a great vehicle to put our lifestyle into the limelight of today's culture. Right. And I think it helps expose the sport too to people who might halfway be interested, you know, especially the young kids. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and there's in, in the uh, media giants like yep. Joe Rogan and uh, sure. John Dudley and some of these, uh, these personalities have brought a lot of uh, hunters they've developed a lot of hunters from people that didn't ever hunt their parents never hunted. Um, and they've also leveled some of the, um, antis where they're not antis. They, uh, are more understanding of what we do and why we do it. Now you still have the redneck sons of bitches that are out there just killing shit. And then you have, yeah. And then you have the, uh, the more level uh, conservation minded guys. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go with you on that. Conservation minded guys that are doing it for the right reasons. Um, now, not, not that they won't take a trophy animal because and a lot of them do hunt trophy animals, but they're also utilizing every fiber of oh, yeah. meat that is edible, which yeah. I think is that's, that's our, fu- that, that's the, the maintain the future of it. Um, you know, mass killings and all that stuff. I mean, that's actually what almost decimated the turkey population. Right. Was the right. Uh, the trough killings and the uh, – it wasn't sport hunting. It was sus- sustenance hunting. Right. They were trying to kill as much as they could um, to either sell or sell the meat, sell the whatever they could out of it. But, yeah. Uh, times have changed and conservation has definitely taken the forefront of hunting. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that really. No, you mentioned John Dudley and Joe Rogan. They kind of bridge a gap. He's not, those guys, obviously they hunt now. Um, Joe Rogan specifically didn't hunt before, but like John Dudley, he's known for his archery. So archers who may not have hunted, maybe piqued an interest in them. Um, You know, Joe Rogan, especially he's, he's talking to, all kinds of people on his podcast so i'm sure he's piqued some interest in a ton of people so i think yeah. that's really helping grow the sport. Yeah, we probably have like one haynes too one one hundredth of one million of the following that these guys do yeah. and they're just absolute media powerhouses yep. it's so good for the sport it, it really is even if it just levels somebody to where they're like it, it gives them an understanding to where they don't hate it because they don't understand or even know what is being done right yeah and we've seen i mean just ryan and i knocking on doors actually this past weekend i just made that post um some lady called us she found our youtube channel somehow she was pissed off at deer eating her shrubs down near philly and um 
found our YouTube channel, somehow found my email, blah, blah, blah. We go and meet her and she ends up wanting to try some meat and now she loves it. You That's know, awesome. Like, wow, this is awesome. I didn't know, you know, all this came from deer and turkeys. We brought her some turkey meat, deer meat. So she's, she's loving it now. She wasn't an anti, I don't think, but she wasn't um, a full pro. supporter, I guess yeah, you could she say. She wasn't you know, pro like, hunting. Right, right. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, let's yep. uh, the talk. Tell so explain a little bit, and I'm I'm hoping this is gonna be released here rapidly. Um, the turkey contest. So, the turkey contest has no entry. There's no registration. Right. There's no fee. Right. Um, you pretty much solicited uh, a gaggle of gifts from right. different companies, which you know that which is awesome and says a lot about them to support something like that and yep. so pretty much a guy shoots a gobbler in pennsylvania and they uh submit a photo of the the kill and then right. they have to follow the rules about taking pictures of beard and spur measurements and stuff right. like that and then they uh they're entered to win the prize and you're also right. offering if you buy there's a, a a turkey shirt um and if you buy the shirt then you can win the bonus prize Right. If you shoot the biggest bird and you have a shirt on your kill photo, you also get the bonus prize, uh, which we're still getting ironed out. But I think it's going to be quite the package here. Actually, just spoke to the company yesterday. Oh, cool. Um, we, yeah, uh, as you as you were saying, there's no entry. We tried to make it easy on everybody. It's exactly NWTF scoring minus the weight. Obviously, we can't really keep track of the weight if we're just going by pictures. So we took that angle of it out. Yeah, that um, all would... measurements have to be confirmed by a photo and whatever you tell us the score is we also score it based off your photos to confirm and um you know that's that's pretty much how we do it that's cool yeah and it, it was a lot of fun last year um what is his name scotty puffin jr yeah colin kelly i'm not sure what the the uh instagram name is i can't i didn't ask yet <laughs> But he ended up shooting the new state record black powder bird actually in the contest, which was really cool. Yeah, he won. Well, he he yeah he set the NWTF record for yep. black powder bird. He won the contest, yep. and uh, actually, me and him have been messaging back and forth about these uh, TSS loads and yep. different choke and uh, different you know different uh, parameters on the uh, setup. Which, what a game changer, in my opinion. I don't know, you know, if there's going to be critics and there's going to be people that will argue to the contrary, but these TSS loads are wicked. Yeah, um, from what I see, there's no arguing what you're saying there. I haven't tried them personally, but everything I see, you're right on the money. Little, I mean, they're a little pricey compared to, you know, your standard loads, but uh, I, uh, I was talking to Jason, I want to say Jason Lonsberry, and he is one of the co-owners of Apex Ammunition. Mm -hmm. I had a long conversation with him, and it, yeah, I did say that right, Jason Lonsberry. Um, I had a, a, a long conversation with him. Oh God, it might have been in February about these uh, TSS loads that I saw blow up on media last year. And he was giving me a little background on what you know what they're all about and what happens and why they're so effective. And uh, I got some for my 12 gauge and I ran them against, uh, I actually just ran a story about them on my Instagram and I uh, ran them out of two different chokes. I ran them out of a 
uh, Indian Creek Black Diamond Strike in a comp and choke triple extra full. And the Black mm -hmm. Diamond Strike just yep. was absolutely incredible. But I had actually run them against just because I had a bunch of, I have a, a, a ton of turkey loads. And then I actually run them against uh, some different lead variations. I actually went and uh, bought the Federal. And I should have done a more in-depth review, but I don't have a YouTube outlet. And I, I should have just filmed it and had you guys do it. Um, but consistently, they, they, they were more consistent and had a tighter pattern mm -hmm. and uh, were more consistent at yardage. Right. Um, than any other any other shotgun shell that I had or purchased, right. and I did run them against the federal. And it was funny because when I run them against the federal, I really didn't have any intentions to do a head-to-head -head competition on them. I just want to know because I want the most effective um, setup to kill with. Sure. And uh, I noticed that I had the federals in in a, in a comparable load. I'm shooting the. Uh, apex the tss the st3s which are a two ounce um payload of number eights and what i what i did it for a reason because i mean i don't mind recoil but i'm getting older and i've had shoulder shoulder <laughs> surgery twice and i'm tired of getting my ass kicked by a gun hey you don't have to tell me i'm there's no reason for it in my opinion no there's really not and, and quite honestly quite honestly from my research i found out that the 20 gauge is actually like the cat's ass right when it comes to uh these especially with these tss loads they're wickedly deadly and uh there's no recoil to them but anyways i had the 12 gauge i had this benelli that i got for like a birthday christmas present for like five years worth and uh I want, I'm going to keep using it. I put the fast fire three from Burris on top of it mm -hmm. with that low mount that I had custom yep. done by Carper's gunsmith, Carper's custom gunsmith. He modified the, the Burris, uh, fast fire three base for, uh, the Marlin for the three thirty sixes that we shoot from yep. there. Yep. So it's nice and low and, and sturdy as all can be. And, uh, so I want to keep with that gun. So I went with the two ounce payload and number eight, because what really makes a gun recoil more is the weight of the projectile you're sending. Sure. So obviously a three and a half inch shell is going to kick more than a three inch versus a two and three quarter, but it's the payload that you're pushing out that creates more recoil, felt recoil to the shooter. Yep. So if yep. you're shooting a hundred, like a, a rifle, for example, if you're shooting 180 grain or a 200 grain bullet, it's going to kick more out of the same gun than a 150 grain load right or so that that's third law or something yeah so that's why i went with the two ounce payload plus i was actually gaining a little bit of velocity mm -hmm. i think it was only like 10 feet per second but in reality it doesn't it take a whole the point yeah and it doesn't take a whole shitload of bbs to kill a gobbler you got to put a few in the the brain and then the, the you know the, the spinal cord the spine of the gobbler where it comes up into the neck and meets right. the head so i was like that's perfect less recoil i'm still pushing over 500 pellets i think 510 pellets uh, no number kidding. eight tungsten and uh so i'm like yep i got it and uh dude it, it shot amazing recoil wasn't that bad <laughs> and where i started with this was when i shot the federals 
had less of a payload and had markedly more recoil. It was a very right. sharp recoil mm -hmm. to where the first one I shot actually caught me off guard because I was expecting less recoil and it, it snapped me. It, it, it right. really did. It, it cracked me. And I was like, Oh, well, wake up. And, yeah. uh, I shot him at varying distances and the apex just flat out outperformed the federals in my 12 gauge Benelli super black Eagle two with the black diamond strike choke tube. I'm not speaking for every gun guys got to get out there and shoot their own setups or you're never going to know for yourself. You can get a good idea from what others are doing, but each gun likes something a little different. Right. Now I, I like will. Loaders. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I will say I have a Mossberg 500 and I bought this gun for like a hundred bucks and it's an old, old school Mossberg 500. It does have the ported barrel. It's got woodland camo on it, but it's old. And, uh, I don't even know what choke tube it is. I, I, I'm sure I got it out of a bargain bin somewhere. It is my backup <laughs> gun. Right. It's, it's, it's strictly a backup gun. If something happens to my Benelli yep. and, uh, holy balls, does that thing drop those apex loads into a turkey's head? Like, no kidding. Oh yeah. It, it probably, Oh, <laughs> if it doesn't outshoot my Benelli, it is neck and neck. And, it, yep. and, and we're really with both, with both setups, we're at a point where it's, it's, it's moot. Like, that bird's going to be so far dead that it's, it, it, you know, it's dead. Yeah. But it comes down to what you want to carry that day. Yeah, exactly. And then we're going to be playing with a 410 here. I got, uh, I'm, I'm really hoping the, the stage is set for Logan first spring gobbler season. Um, yep. it's a little earlier than I wanted. And I had talked on a previous podcast about the right age to start a youngster hunting. Um, but boy, he's ready. Mentally, he is ready. Yep. And uh, as long as once, and, and, and I'm slowing down the process because I got this 410 and took it right to the gunsmith because I'm having a custom mount done to put uh, the Fast Fire 3 on it. And I ordered a comp and choke for it, uh, comp and chokes 410 choke because he's shooting that Stevens 301 compact, which is a youth 410. And it's got the. It's got a hammer, which you have to pull back, obviously, to fire the gun. But it's also got that redundant cross bolt safety, uh -huh. which is awesome, actually, because the hammer can be back, the safety can be on, the gun won't go off. So now, instead of having to cock the hammer when a gobbler is coming in, all he has to do is flip the the side bar, you know, the cross bolt safety. Yep. And uh, really, will take a lot of movement out of getting that gun ready to fire. And uh, but they don't come drilled and tapped in the compact model for a red dot. So once again, I took it to Fred at Carper's custom gunsmithing. He's making a custom mount and uh, we're going to be ready to rock with it here. Hopefully if not today, next week. And as long as Logan can physically handle that gun safely and put his shots on target to effectively kill a gobbler, he will be hunting during the PA youth uh, hunt. And he's stoked. I, I mean, I, he's also accepted that if he can't physically do it, that he won't be doing it. And he's okay with that. He, yep. he wants to be able to do it himself. He doesn't want, he wants me to be there with him, but he doesn't want me to baby him. Hold he his wants hand, to, yeah. yeah. He wants to do it, which is, which is awesome. Yeah. And, without a doubt. And I, and I've been teaching, trying to teach him to be 
as independent as, uh, you know, as he's progressed through life, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a little guy. Right. Um, but I want him to be able to carry his own butt up the hill. I want him to be able to handle firearms safely because if he, it, without that, there is no handling of them. That, that's yeah, the bottom right. line. So yeah, he's stoked and I, and I am too. And, and I mean, I, I hope, I hope it works out. And we'll see, but I, I, that's a whole new, uh, that's a whole nother chapter coming here as soon as I get the gun back on these 410 um, TSS loads, which, I mean, every, I mean, they're wicked. Everything you send me, him, he, he's definitely chomping at the bit to go. So I'm anxious to see what happens. Oh yeah, it, it'll be, it'll it's be hilarious. cool. It'll be cool, no, no doubt. Yeah, he is. Uh, well, I had him out with the BB gun practicing, uh-huh. um, and he he shoots. Uh, he has a 22 rascal that he shoots very well. And, uh, uh, one of the, he's a couple of times at the range, he's shot my AR and, uh, it's a, it's a short barrel. Uh, it's got a 14 and a half inch barrel with a pin, mm. bre- with a pin break, which brings it to the ATF regulations without the paperwork. And, uh, he will shoot that. And we started initially with just one, one round at a time. And he learned how to manipulate the controls, the safety, everything. And then once we we got very um, comfortable doing that, then we went to two rounds, and he was able to fire a round and then fire another round. And uh, was teaching him about manipulating the safety between rounds, and mm-hmm. if he's shooting the same target, that he can stay on as long as he is staying on the same target um, and not manipulate. You know, we went through it all. I mean, he needs to understand it all. And now we're, we're up to three rounds and he handles it very well. He's actually able to engage, you know, shoot a target. I'm, I'm talking jargon. Um, he's able to shoot a target, manipulate the safety to safe, find another target, shoot that target, and then either shoot it again or re, you know, reinitiate the safety and then pick up a third target. And he's done really well with it. So I think he's, he's, he's ready um, we'll just see how he does with the 410 recoil. Yeah, they, they kick more than you'd think. Yeah, they do. They do. But, but what, I don't, what, even if it hurt him, I don't think he's going to tell you it hurt either. By the No, probably not. No, I'm good. Um, what do you got? What are you doing for uh prep for spring gobbler? I'd like to say we do a ton, but other than shoot our guns, we pretty much hunt the same areas every year. So. Really? I mean, yeah, it's we you know, we were talking about doing something this year, maybe like camp a night somewhere at a new public spot or shoot one with a muzzle loader, try to do something different. But um, you know, our spots produce year after year after year, so we really don't do much new spot scouting. So pretty much sight your gun in, check it and wait for opening morning. Yeah, and I've been in in my prep is uh, gear i i go through my gear i've been i run yep. my i run my calls i'll be i i'm but i'm running my calls year round yep um and i only i only carry diaphragm calls mouth calls yep and, that's what uh, i've reduced myself to as well. yeah so I, i'm always i'm always uh tearing tearing away at them and then i actually i i do a lot of uh driving like before work after right. work in the evenings i will drive fields um like on rainy rainy overcast days mm-hmm. like i'll be checking yep. 
I'll be checking fields and looking for, I mean, I've seen, uh, I've got probably close and, and it's hard because turkeys aren't like deer. They're not um, highly recognizable between one another, Yeah. but yeah. I've got, I've got a pile of birds located just where they're at now. And then that's going to change too, coming up here. Um, right now, you know, all the hen, you know, your hens are more willing and, but once once things start to heat up and the, the the real heat of the breeding starts, you'll start to see these birds breaking up a little mm-hmm. bit. Oh yeah, get more dominant, chasing yep. each other off. Yep, and uh, so they'll they'll split up a little bit. But I'll be ready. And, and quite honestly, it's not like uh, oh, it's not like out west where I have hundreds of thousands of acres to hunt. Right. I mean, I'm right. we're all pretty limited uh, woodlots and tracks of land or tracks of state land but in tracks of private so i know where there's birds and i know where i'll be hunting and i know where i have permission um and that's kind of where i limit it to i uh the birds historically roost in the same spots once you get it figured yep. out there won't be a lot of deviation in that um now i will i will probably um like with youth day with logan i may go out the night before and try to listen to see where they went up um, cause I think we're going to, I was torn about this and I wasn't sure how I was going to handle it, but if everything works out with him and he's, he's able to handle the gun, I think I'm going to still put him in a blind. Right. Um, yeah, it can't hurt. Yeah. So I, I was, I, I really wasn't sure how I was going to do this, but he's, he is six. And even if they come right in, I want to be able to be more hands-on with him if I need yep. to be, um, I want him to be able to move around a little bit. And we got plenty of time to run and gun. Um, but I want to get this first one. I want him to really get a good sight picture, really be able to lock down on that gobbler's head. Now, I'm not going to put clamp his gun in a vice. Right. Um, you know, I might have a monopod in there to help him. Um, but he's already been practicing how to use the blind, how to use his body position mm-hmm. to hold the gun steady. And uh, he shoots a lot offhand with his BB gun and, and his twenty two. So, yeah, I think he could and, – and he's even, he's even practiced, uh, the, you know, the running gun styles, putting your back against something and using your knee. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> which is cool. I mean, it's six. It, it, at first, he didn't really get it, but then he realized, oh, you know, with my knees here, I can put the gun on my knee and help sight if it's here. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely – um, an outdoor kid and it shows no it shows yep so yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens i'm i'm super excited about it i'm willing to i'm willing to forfeit all my tags for him to shoot because he's at the age now where he doesn't get his own tags if right he right. would be a true mentor hunt where i would forfeit my tag to tag his bird they didn't add turkey to that? I thought they did. I know they added a bunch of stuff. I thought turkey. I'm going to double check. So I think you have to be eight to get oh, okay. a mentor license. Got it. Okay. And then that must be what I'm thinking. At eight, you get, yeah, you get a turkey tag and a deer tag. Right. Okay. So, and I'm going to, I actually know one of the uh, local uh, game guys, and I'm going to, double check myself because i don't want to do anything illegal and jam myself up yeah yeah. um but yeah from what i understand because he's under eight i have to forfeit my tag and tag his animal which i'm yep. p- i'm perfectly okay with it actually oh, my yeah. my father-in-law 
he wants to go and he's willing to forfeit his tags too, because he, otherwise they will go completely unfilled. Right. Um, <laughs> he just, he's not a turkey hunter. Oh uh, man. He's a, he's a, at best, if it's not raining opening day, a rifle season. Yep. Yep. He's just, he's passed that all. Um, he just has lost interest over the years and, you know, to each their own. I'm glad he goes out when he does. Um, and we take what we can get, but yeah, so we'll see how it all goes. And then I'm obviously I'll be, you won't hear me shut. I won't shut up about it. Do you have much luck roosting birds out there at night? Yes. And no, um, no, because I never do it. And when I do do it, I mean, it's, it's, I normally can visually see them. Right. Um, and what I'll do is I normally will set up on like a hillside opposite or away from where I think they're going to roost yep. and I'll catch them going up into that woodlot. And then I know they're roosting, but most of the spots I, I already know where they roost. Right. And uh, I don't worry. I actually, I, I, I just, yeah, I don't make it a habit of, of roosting birds. Um, normally I like going in in the morning and listening. Um, that's that's what we do yeah we'll yeah. find we go to spots we find ourselves going to roost birds just because we can't wait for it to be turkey season not yeah and, and it is not effective here at all we'll go to a spot and try to roost birds and some nights we'll just listen other nights we'll owl hoot or you know rip a few hard clucks or whatever and you will not hear a damn thing and then you go there in the morning and from the exact spot you were listening from you could hear three or four birds it just doesn't work here. I don't like I watch TV and that's what guys do. They go roost a bird and they hunt it in the morning. Yeah. And uh, you cannot that is that does not work here. I don't know why. I mean our the the birds here and now now and this is where in I mean obviously you we're we're you know friends and we hunt together. But one of the big reasons why I wanted you to co-host with me is you're from the eastern side of the state of Pennsylvania, right. the great state of Pennsylvania, the land of a million hunters. Yep. And I am from the west side. And actually, you're from the northeast, and I am from the southwest. So we're like right. in opposite corners. Yep. And uh, what, I, what, I'm, what I was hoping to bring to the table on this podcast um, is just a different, completely different perspective from – either side of the state because things right. are different and, no, and you know and, and this and this doesn't just isolate itself to pennsylvania either um you know this will this is you'll find similarities in ohio mm-hmm. west virginia virginia and then new york um maryland so it, it really broadens our geographical reach that's really relevant and yep. then you know we, we also do some other stuff that is you know could be considered slightly interesting by some um and that's you know and that's that's kind of what and it's it, so it's a cool dynamic but here in the southwest of pa um birds are can be vocal in the evening um headed to roost right. i've noticed that once they get into the roost site in the tree quiet, well in the tree or just prior to going up yep. they're quiet and uh, the only thing you may get is you may get a hen that 
sounds off or cackles. Yep, or hear, um, hear their wings hitting the trees or something. Yeah, yeah, or you hear their wings if you're close enough. But yeah, the birds don't once they hit the woodlot, but right before they go to roost, uh, they they really quiet down and clam up. And I don't know yep. whether that's from the predation from coyotes. Right. Um, I, I'm not exactly sure. Um, and then very few birds will sound off from actual from up in the tree right. once they're settled in here. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, no, that's not to say we don't hear them at night. If there's a real hot bird, I mean, Christ, it could be midnight, and I wouldn't be surprised if the thing goes off, you know? Of course, I don't mean that literally, but for all you critics out there. But, oh, yeah. Um, you know, we a, a couple times a year we'll hear one in the evening, but, geez, for the well, amount of time we spend doing it, holy hell. Well, it, it is funny. I was out. It was actually – it was the – Night before the opener, a couple of years back, I can't even remember when this was, how, what year it was, but we were out uh, working late, and uh, a storm was rolling in, and it was, it was late, it was dark, it was pitch black, it was a couple hours after uh, sunset, and as this storm rolled in and the thunder was clapping, um, these birds were just going nuts on yeah. the hill behind us, and I was laughing because it was. I don't know, 10 o'clock at night. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure gobblers will gobble all night. <laughs> I wouldn't <laughs> if, doubt it. If yeah, given I've heard the reason. In January, I've heard them in September. You know, you, I hate when people try to put rules on animals. I mean, yeah, they, no, there's animals. no rules. I, I always hear them gobbling in the fall when I'm bow hunting. Yep. And then another thing I've had happen to me in the past, which is absolutely frustrating. And one of the one of the main reasons why I quit roosting birds is I would go into a woodlot and I would have a bird roost and I'd hear him gobble or I would make him gobble. I used to make them gobble in the evenings with a bared owl call, but the the mating yep. version of it that that it almost sounds like a like a a scream, right? And uh, so we put a bird to bed, or I would use like a a cottontail in distress call. Um, right as it was right at dusk and get one to light off and, and pin his location. And then I'd come back in the morning, absolutely quiet, stealth approach, get into the woodlot, set up onto that tree. Normally, and, and it, this would be a tactic, I you would always try to set up above them. Turkeys right. prefer to go up the hill than down the hill. Sure. But I've seen them come down the hill just as quick as they'll go up a hill. Sure. Um, and I also try to eliminate any obstacles like fences, streams a turkey will cross any obstacle to get to a hen to breed it however turkeys have the brain the size of a pea mm. and for whatever dumb reason <laughs> shit like that hangs them up they can obviously fly they can fl they could f flap three times and get over a fence but a yep. fence will hang them up on approach right a stream stream will hang them up on our approach a stream that they will walk through a hundred times during the day will hang them up when they're coming in on approach to a receptive hen so i always try to do that but then what i would find is i come back in the morning i would set up and that son of a bitch would have moved <laughs> and so whether they're doing it as they're settling in so as you're settling into your bed and you're getting you're on your pillow you you toss and you turn to get comfortable 
So, I, you know, is it this, I, I'm assuming it's the same thing. A gobbler gets up on a limb and he's like, eh, don't really like this limb. Yeah. Hops to another one, hops to another one, maybe flies to another one. Um, and I noticed it when there was a brighter sky or not an overcast sky, the gobbler seemed to move their location in the tree yep. more times than not, which I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's somebody that knows way more about turkey behavior than I do. Um, I don't bother myself with a lot of those nuances because I just, I, I want to kill them. Right. Um, and, but yeah, I'm sure there's a reason and I'm sure that, you know, what, for whatever reason they do do that. Um, but yeah, I've had that happen numerous times where a turkey was not in the same tree that I quote unquote put him to bed in. Yep. And it's uh, just not an effective way for us to hunt. Like nah, I put no, I will put no eggs in a basket roosting turkeys and targeting them in the morning. Nah, neither do I. I'd I much actually, rather be walking into the woods at gray light. This is what we do almost every day, by the way. We're not sitting under a tree an hour and a half before it even starts to get light, like a lot of guys do. But that's because we're not roosting turkeys, too. That might be effective for that. But we'll walk in at gray light and, you know, get in the woods and listen. And then you hear one and you move that direction. And that's how we kill 95% of our turkeys, probably. Yeah. So is moving. Yeah, not, setting, not knowing where they are first and then setting up. We yes. go and find one and then set up. Yes, gotcha. Yeah, and, and I, I actually, I do not hunt right off the roost a lot. Right. I will actually hold back and I will come in a little bit later into the woods. Yep. Um, after it is light there down. And that initial cluster fuck is over yep. in the yep. morning yep. from fly down. And then I will come in and I will find a hot bird and kill him. Cause every single gobbler in the woods is hot on the roost. Right. They've been up in a tree all night. They want to breed and they will gobble at anything. Literally, yep. literally anything. Literally shut a, anything. Yep. Shut a car door. Yep. Yeah. Shut a car door. They'll gobble. Um, and I found a lot of times that I, have bad luck well minimal luck right off the roof so i just wait and i let that initial cluster break up and then i'll come in and when i get a bird working at eight or nine yep. i'm gonna kill him that's he, prime time to me yeah he, he's ready if to be I'm killed. Not with somebody else i'm sleeping in until seven and then i'm leaving the house yeah it, it definitely anything most times not most times not um me and Brian Galvis, when we were in, when I went to school in Clarion, um, a lot of times we would go get coffee and sure. you know, donuts or whatever the hell we would eat for breakfast. Yep. And we'd take our good old time and uh, we'd stroll into the woods and it would be, you know, daylight and it would be bright. And uh, we'd go in and kill a gobbler. And, yep. uh, you know, that's the, you know, the, the magic hour that like I, I always, I love like right around nine o'clock and then. Oh, yeah right is hot right before high noon it seems like those are just absolute killing times yep. where i where i hunt and because you get that initial and what it is is the initial flurry of fly down is over you know that gobbler has all these hens in abundance at fly down mm -hmm. and then he breeds whatever ones need bread and then they'll move off to the nest or they'll start to break up or he'll have bred you know the majority of hens that he is hanging there with Yep. And then all of a sudden the lonely hen comes yelping in and he's like, Oh, okay, here we go. 
and here's another one and he'll come running over and that's typically what happens around nine or I'll, yep. I'll also work in the hens that he has with them. Um, right. And piss them off and get them in. And then at noon, you're a lot of times you're dealing with, um, gobblers that have no hens. Uh, right. they've gone to, you know, tend to their nest and then they come screaming in. Um, I think we've only ever killed one Turkey that I could say came off the roost and shot. And that was Ryan's first Turkey it was pouring. And we were walking in with Howie, you know, Howie, yeah, um, pouring. And it was Ryan's first time ever hunting turkeys. And we looked up in a tree and, you know, we had our heads down because it was pouring, walking in at first light, looked up and there's a turkey sitting there in the tree. He's all hunched up too because he's getting dumped on. And we set up and the thing flew down and landed 15 feet from Ryan and he shot it. I think that's the only one we have ever shot off the roost. Huh. I, I've killed and obviously a that wasn't intentional. We didn't know it was there. Yeah. We just stumbled on the damn thing, you know, so I don't even know if you want to count that, but yeah, last year I killed one off the roost in West Virginia. Uh, I mean, he didn't come, he didn't come running on a string, yeah. but, uh, he flew down and came, he worked his way across this long ass field and I shot him. Uh, when I was a kid, my buddy Zach shot his first gobbler right off the roost. Yep. Um, hell, even in the pictures, I mean, cause it's deceiving in pictures because the, the cameras don't process the light. It's actually lighter than it looks in the, the pictures, but even yep. in his picture, it, it looks like it's still halfway dark. Yep. Uh, my brother shot a gobbler in uh cinema honing right off the roost on the side of a mountain. And then as he shot it, he knocked it down the mountain and had to chase it all the way down the mountain. To nice. Yeah, oh yeah, it was a shit show. We think right. we actually, he 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 stumbled, um, and his you know he we were taught gun safety. His gun was on safety, but he was he was moving with his gun and he fell. And uh, we we actually might we were we're actually wondering still to this day his his gun barrel we later found out was was bent. And we were no wondering if, we were wondering if it was from that day. We don't Dude. we don't know. Uh, it was a long long time ago. That's funny. But yeah, those are the ones that that come to mind. Zach's got first gobbler, my brother's first gobbler, and then uh, that one I shot last year. That's all I really can recall. Most of the time, though, we I mean we'll we'll be we'll work birds like crazy. And uh, oh, you know what? Last year my 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 buddy also shot one off the roost, and it was it was probably a half hour after fly down, but it was a continuous motion. This gobbler, there was actually three of them, three of them worked their way and it was really slow. It was, it was probably, they, they probably traversed 300 yards or better to get to where he was at. And, uh, that was actually, I, I just, I posted a video uh, on Instagram, IGTV that hunt. And, uh, I was battling with an old boss hen all morning and yeah. uh, she did what can easily be done by a hen. She either comes in pissed off looking to ruffle feathers or she just led the gobblers around me. Right. And that's what she did. And she actually led them right into his lap Yep. and uh, he shot the one. And then probably an hour later, it was a different group of birds. Um, spun all the way back up and around and worked in from my backside and they were alone there. They, they didn't have any hens and I ended up blasting that one at like five steps, <laughs> which was cool. It was a cool hunt. 
Um, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff to it. And then, and then like a lot of guys, I, I use decoys sparingly this year. I'm actually going to be using the uh, Dave Smith decoys, uh-huh. which are ultra realistic. Yeah. And uh, in the past, I always just couldn't, couldn't bring myself to pay for them. And I had other decoys and uh, this year I'm actually going to be using their decoys and uh, God, are they cool? And the one thing I love about the Dave Smith decoys is they have the white face strutters. Right. Um, and so a turkey's head is a combination of red, white, and blue. And so when a turkey is alert or on the norm, his head is red. Um, his snoot is retracted and you know, that's, that's his, his normal state. Turkeys are always on alert. Yep. Um, as a turkey relaxes, um, his head will go to a pale blue to then a white. And actually, if you watch gobblers that are with hens that are strutting and the hen is receptive and or they're, they know they're going to breed that hen or about to breed that hen, a gobbler's face and head will turn pale white. Yep. And Looks like a light bulb. Yes. And so that strutter decoy that Dave Smith has out, it is personifying to a real gobbler, hey, here I am. I'm about to breed this hen, and I'm in your territory, which just drives an absolute mature gobbler nuts. Um, and it, it's, it's just it, – that was what sold me on the Dave Smith decoys. Their knowledge of turkey – behavior body language science is just on point and uh as soon as i seen you know this white face strutter i i knew eventually i would use their decoys and this is now i I, i've bucked up and i and here i am i'm gonna have i got the oh i think i got the feeding hen the leading hen uh submissive hen and a uh three-quarter jake and then the white face strutter coming nice yeah, and I'm I'm really interested because I have not had a lot of success with decoys. Um, right. Either birds will hang up or they'll completely turn and go the other way. Right. I've had the same experience, especially in the open. Yes. If they could look at it for more than a very short period of time, they're going to yes. look at it too hard. And I find that they get a little, little uneasy because it's not moving, whatever it is. Well, I think it's the combination of it's not moving. And a lot of times the body posture is not telling the right thing to that gobbler. Right. Um, now I use the Montana decoys and I've had some pretty good success with them. Uh, the 3d perfect hen and then the 3d Jake I've had less success with. Um, actually, I don't think I've had very much success at all with that damn 3d Jake. I actually whooped his ass last year. I think we talked about that before. I think, I think you sent me a video punting that thing. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I, yeah, I, yeah, that, I think we, I think we may have talked about that on the last podcast, but I I've had very little, I've tried a bunch of different Jake decoys. Yep. Um, I tried that funky chicken from flex town. Yep. And, Oh, and I, we had two birds working in. They were probably, they were probably subdominant toms, two-year-olds. And uh, they were coming in on a string off the roost. And I had my late friend, uh, John Steiner, with me and my brother. And they were going to double up. I actually had a bow. 
um, and I was planning on having them double. And they come over at about – they were, I don't know, between – I thought they were 50, inside 50 yards. My We, we, we don't know. Uh, my brother did miss them. John missed them. Uh, but what happened was they, they come over the, the rise, and I had a hen decoy set up with that funky chicken. They saw them decoys, and it, they literally – they were coming in and their heads were changing from yep. when they were on the, the far side of the field, they were bright red head, bright red headed. And as they were coming across that field, they were starting to, the color was draining. They were going to that paler blue. And yep. I'm like, these birds are dead as fuck and they don't even know it. And they crested to where they could see my deeks and boom, they both popped out a full strut to half yep. strut. Their snood started to retract their head started to fill with blood and turn back to red. And I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, I'm like, I whispered to my brother, Adam, I'm like, you, you can kill him with your gun here. Kill that one, kill one of them. And uh, John had, a, I want to say he had a single shot, 12 gauge. And I knew it was going to be a marginal shot for him. And uh, I was like, Adam, I was like, go ahead. And uh, he sent one and that bird, it, and it didn't, it did not kill him. It didn't knock him over nothing. And he sent another one for good measure, but it was in vain. <laughs> and then, and then John, he got excited and he sent one and yeah. uh, it was like. all in vain. There wasn't I I don't even know there was a feather ruffle. I really thought they were inside 50 and uh, my yeah, brother's gun, cool. he was shooting a 12 gauge with three and a half inch mags. Well, you'll have them this year with those new loads by the sounds of it. I, I, I don't care to shoot a gobbler that far. No, um, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. I, I want them in my lap. Up until we started filming. Yeah, and my 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 brother. I mean, a, a turkey. He'll kill a turkey wherever he can kill a turkey. Yep. He's not picky, and I really thought his gun should have done it. But then also, we found out the next year that his barrel was bent. Right. So that may have had something to do with that because we didn't ruffle a, a feather on those birds. And actually, later in that day, uh, we had called them that pair. Well, I think it was that pair back in. Yep. Um. But nonetheless, yeah, I it, I've had a lot of experiences with decoys like that. Um, really my only great success with decoys has been with Jake's. Right. Um, because they're just, they're dumber than a box of rocks. Um, but they you know, I have good luck with Jake's coming in, but nothing, not, not on dominant toms or, you yeah. know, seasoned birds. So I really hope to change that. And, um, I'll get the first crack at West Virginia with these decoys, which they should be here today or tomorrow. And I'll probably do some. I'll probably post about them. Do some posts on them. But uh, then you'll have I, to I re remind me later. I actually have a video. Last spring, I filmed the gobbler coming in for one of my buddies, and it comes to the edge of the field. And just like you're saying, I was zoomed right in on him, and I didn't notice this till I watched it after the fact. But his snood retracted right up to like right against his face, and he like gave the field a look. And then when he relaxed, man, that thing hung way down, halfway down his neck. Yep. Right, right in the video. I've never seen it. You know, well, I've never seen it go from one to the other like that. It was really cool. You'll have to remind me to post it. Yeah, absolutely. And and so for people listening to this that are that are avid turkey hunters, you can tell a lot by a gobbler's head on approach. So if he's relaxed, his head will be pale in color, even a pale red or a very like pinkish red, um, to the blue, the pale blue, yeah. and then totally relaxed, he'll be white. And his snood, which is that doohickey that is on top of his beak will actually yep. elongate and that that will show you that a gobbler is relaxed yep. as soon as he starts to tense 
or become suspicious. Um, that snood is the first thing that will go as his head starts to fill with more vibrant color or a vibrant red. Right. That is the, that will tell you that that gobbler doesn't like something. Mm -hmm. um, if that snood completely retracts and his head turns cherry red, you better kill the son of a bitch because he's about yep. he's fixing to leave. Yep. Um, now, if he starts to if the snood starts to retract but doesn't come to an alert status on top of his nose, he may have just seen something he wants to eye up and he may re-relax. Right. Um, when I see this, I like to throw what are called gimme calls at him um, and purrs. I'll purr at him. I'll, I'll, I'll do like a whine or a whimper, which I call a gimme call, like come, come and get, give me. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a, you know, I'll whine. It's like a, uh, it's a contentment call. You'll hear birds do it when they're feeding and they're content and they're yep. not alerted. They'll purr, they'll, um, they'll whine. And it's a really low under the breath call. The turkeys can, they can hear it. Yep. Um, uh, the long smooth note. Yeah. Now the, the, the one thing you don't want to do when a turkey comes on to alert, you don't want to clock. Right. Um, you don't want to clock because a clock is typically, uh, hey, 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 um, look at me or something, you know. A clock is not an alarm call. By no means, don't take it as that. And turkeys will clock as they're feeding. But you, a lot of times I'll hear a turkey, it'll start to clock and then it turns to a pot. Yep. Um, and it's all on the tone of the clock as to what that turkey is telling the other turkeys. Um, a real soft, subtle, hollow clock is just a contentment call. And I will even throw, the, <laughs> I'll even throw those in with my purrs and my whines um, for contentment. But the sharper clocks, if they're not into a excited, agitated, cutting sequence, are typically saying, hey, look at me. Um, yeah. So you want to be careful if that gobbler is becoming alert. You don't want to snap out a cluck at them. Right. Um, yeah, and then, if your clucks aren't, like let's say you're a, you know, a mediocre caller or a new caller, you might think you're clucking, but it might come off as a putt. Yeah. And, you know? and there's, there's really the difference between a cluck and a putt is tone and pitch. Right. Um, and that's when it boils down to it with, with turkey calling in general. Minor subtleties mean a lot. Yep. Um, and the, the best way to learn a turkey's vocabulary and, and about this tone and pitch is to listen to wild turkeys. Right. And there's some really good resources out there. Um, I'll probably get his name wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Claypool. He has a bunch of videos with hen talk. Um, I think on Facebook there's, it is on Facebook. It's called be the bird. And they, there's always people on there posting uh, audio and video, audio and video clips of hens talking. Yep. Um, it's a great resource to listen to actual That's hens talk. Cool. Yeah, and, and and when and when you're learning to call, and and or trying to perfect your craft of calling, you typically don't want to listen or try to imitate or mimic another person. Right. Listen to actual hens. Right. Um, I call pretty well, and I, my brothers and my, you know, my friends, I tell, don't listen to me. Don't try to call like me, listen to turkeys. Right. Um, yep. cause I don't, I, I don't, you know, I, I sound okay. I, I pass, but I'm not a turkey. Yeah. Um, how many times have you heard turkeys and you're like, that's gotta be a hunter. That, that yeah. sucks. Yeah. That's terrible. And then a hen walks out. Yep. 
Now I can so, normally tell, and it's funny that you say that because there'll be turkeys talking and be like, is that a guy or is that a turkey? And then right. a turkey will pop out. Yep. But there's those times you hear a guy in the woods and you're like, good Lord. Yeah. Good Lord. That, that's, that, that's awful. And, and you know, normally I'm, it's cadence. Cadence right. is what right. will be is the telltale sign that it's yeah. telltale sign that it's a, a hunter. And Usually a they're sawing away at a box call. Like they're trying to like, sounds like a woodpecker hammering on a tree. Yeah. That, that speed of call. Which do you guys use locator calls out in the East? Um, Speaking of woodpeckers. Non-turkey sounds. Yeah. We'll carry a crow call around. Last year we actually used it in the video where Ryan and Mark stalked up on that bird on opening day. Okay. Yeah. I remember that now. Um, And it depends on the bird. I think, you know, they got to be somewhat hot where you can shock gobble them. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, the only, the, so I've, I've tried them all. And I, I yep. think we talked about this last time. I even tried that mad dog whistle one, at one yep. point. Um, I've tried pleated woodpecker. Uh, I've tried peacock shrills. I've tried I cottontail in distress. That used to be my when I used to roost birds when I was a teenager. That's what I used primarily yep. was the cottontail in distress. Coyote howls. Um, oh shit! I've used all kinds of stuff. That stuff. crow call we use. It's a real sharp. Uh, it's a primos call actually. That's so I that's what that's the only that's the only locator call I carry now is the yep. crow call. And, and it's, it's enough like a crow where I, I feel confident that it won't scare them, but it's it's got a sharp initiating sound. Yeah. Like real it's piercing. Yeah. It what is and, it uh, I, I might have the same one. Mine's, crow or something like that. Yeah, mine's black. It's all black. It's got a black mouthpiece with a, a pliable uh black yes. bell. That, that's the one. Yeah, it's, let, I let probably have the it same up. one. I'm on my, but uh, another, let me, while I'm thinking about it, another secret weapon we use, especially when birds hang up, is um, we'll scrape the ground with our hand to make it sound like they're feeding. Yeah. And that does really well for us because it adds uh, an element, you know, to the situation that you're trying to portray to the turkey. Like, hey, there's turkeys over there. The, hopefully the gobbler's thinking there's turkeys over there feeding. I could hear them scratching around, you know. I use the wing. And the wing, yeah, that's Ryan's thing. The wing, give him credit for that. Yes, it is, and I stole it from him. And the wing is wicked. Um, Now, if I do hunt first light, I will use that wing, and I'll I'll scratch it against the bark of the tree I'm sitting on, like a hen stretching her wings out. I build that whole sound image to. I give the gobbler all the sounds for him to get a mental image of the hen he's about to breed if he comes in. Right. So I use the wing, I'll scratch the bark, I'll use the wing to flap and yep. uh against my leg. <clears throat> and then I'll at the at the very last second I'll I'll smash it into the leaves to give it that that bird just touched down on the ground. Yep. And then when I'm working a gobbler and he hangs up, if safe, and you have to remember you have the wing of a turkey in your hand you are in full camo and you have a lot of fucking idiots in the woods. Right. So be careful when you employ these tactics, especially right. with a real turkey wing. Good call. Um, and be aware of what's going on around you and be watching for other hunters and stuff like that. Um, but I will tickle that wing against the tree I'm sitting on into the leaves. Um, I so much as flapped it against my leg yep. um, because 
a hen is a hens as they're feeding, they will oftentimes stretch out and flap their wings. They don't fly, exactly. but they right. just stretch out and they flap their wings. It builds that mirage to the gobbler yeah. that there is a hen just out of sight. Um, you watch any bird for more than 15 minutes, they're going to, at some point, one of the turkeys or, or ducks do it too, geese do it, they're going to stand up and stretch out and readjust their feathers as you were talking about. Yep. And I think it really adds to the realism of, like you said, that sound image you're trying to create. Yeah, there's and no doubt. And we'll scratch the leaves with it too. It lets you reach out a little further because yeah, I clear the leaves. the leaves enough. Yeah, because you know? I oftentimes will clear the leaves from around me in case I right. need to reposition myself. Which, when you're setting up, you, I mean, obviously, and 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 we we're taking a lot for granted. You know, guys, if 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 you're just starting turkey hunting, remember, uh, like turkeys can see color. They're trichromatic vision, so they can see color. So camo is important. Um, and you want to be cam camouflaged from head to toe. Turkeys have horrible depth perception, and camo really helps to mm -hmm. hide you. Um, I wear ASAT, obviously, and ASAT does an absolutely amazing job of obliterating the human outline. Yep. And even in the green, the black, the brown, with that band tan yellow background, it obliterates your outline as a human. And also, the band tan yellow will actually reflect it's yes. surrounding environment so it picks up the use of green and really helps to hide you um and and my buddy brad is a prime example he's like you look like a fucking idiot you're wearing tan brown and black and we're going into the spring woods and then when i set up he looked at back and he was like damn yep if you guys don't use ASAP, take a minute and read about the science joe's talking about because it's cool that how he was explaining it is great that that tan does reflect surrounding color hues. Yes. And, it does. and to complement that, it's not a fashion contest as Brad was kind of teasing you about. It, it does look a little funny, but man, well, it works. And the funny thing it about works. that is Brad is not a fashion statement to begin right. with. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, but man. anyways, but it, yep. it works, it works incredibly well. And I actually, I have a video, I posted it on Instagram and, uh, I was in a hedgerow. I got caught off guard. Shitty setup. Just bad juju all around. I dropped the Montana decoy out in the field, probably 11 yards off the edge. Tucked myself into this hedgerow. And what had happened was is I'd come up over the rise. And as I was coming up over the rise, I could see the gobblers coming up the hill. Yep. And I had called, oh, back 200 yards from where I had went. Um, and I was trying to beat the gobblers to the hilltop. Right. And uh, they actually were hauling butt. So I threw the decoy out, crawled over to the hedgerow, and got myself in the mix of these jaggers, which ended up being my demise because it cost me a shot. But so this gobbler, doing everything a turkey shouldn't do, they come up not in the wide open field on the edge, but they come up an old tram road behind me. And they're within they're within 15 yards of me, strutting and drumming. When they're when they're strutting and drumming or spitting, um, they do that. Oh yeah, I can I literally that. I could feel it reverberating in my chest, <laughs> and I'm like, holy cow, they're so close, and I could catch them out of the corner of my eye, strutting. Yep. Well, all of a sudden, I could hear one to my right, and it's I was like, man, it sounds like a, a turkey's coming through this 
Pedro, and it's nothing but nasty ass thick jaggers. And I could hear the jaggers actually hitting off the gobbler's wings. So the gobbler, he comes in and hey, we just got Oh, what's up, guys? Taylor Henry just came in. What's up, what's dude? What's up, bro? How's it going? Just finished my meeting, jumped over this Zoom call. Oh, we're recording <laughs> and we don't edit, so we're just in it. Shit. We're we're on. It's me and Scott Price. Um we're on here. We've been talking turkey for oh, going on an hour now, I guess. That's right. Damn, nothing better. No, nah, no, nah, we're actually I was just I was just telling a war story and you get to hear it, and then we're gonna then we're jumping right into your war story. <laughs> awesome. Sounds so, good. This gobbler, he comes through the hedgerow, and uh, he pops out at sub-15 yards. As soon as he pops out, he breaks into a strut. He sees my decoy, and he starts to work his way around her. And uh, I have bow in my hand. Otherwise, this bird's dead all day, every day. And uh, he comes out in front of that hen, and that hen isn't moving. So he's turning, and as he turns, he stays in strut. I try to draw, and he picks me up. I mean, what, you know, he, but he's like, shit, something's wrong, but he doesn't, he's not gone. I hit full draw and I got Jaggers hanging my 3d suit up and I can't, I can't get to him. So as he's, as he's nervously walking away, yeah, as he's nervously walking away, I'm trying to get him in my sight picture to send an arrow and I could have. But it was a it was a piss poor shot, and I didn't want to wound wound them, yep. and I let them walk, and and I I played with them birds all day, and I ended up repositioning, and I got them to come back in, and then I missed. Nice. So long story short, Taylor. Oh no, Taylor's muted. I muted myself. What's going on? Nothing. <laughs> Story's over. Oh, My yeah. story time's <laughs> over. Let's hear. Let's hear a good story. Uh, <laughs> Are you good. sure you're done? <laughs> no, no, I won't be. Not. I'm never no. done. So a good story. Um, I can I can kind of go in our Nebraska hunt last week. So well, did you kill? Did you kill that turkey you posted the picture of, or yeah, did you hit it with I your did. truck? Uh, well, we could have killed turkeys in about a million different ways, and somehow we only ended up coming home with one. Uh, so yeah, if you guys want me to go into the our hell trip yes. Here, Sweet. Oh yeah. First one with the bow, right? Yeah, actually. Nice. Taylor, our, before yep. you get into it, uh obviously I said this is Taylor Henry. You're from 1080 Outdoors. Yeah. Uh give me just a little bit about yourself so everybody knows who they're who they're listening to. Okay. Yeah, so um I guess the easiest way to to say this is yeah, we we're 1080 Outdoors, we produce a web show, podcast, um we used to do some retail stuff. We're getting out of that now. And uh, I, personally, I was a cop for the last about five years, moved on from that, kind of got the entrepreneur bug. And now I do consulting B2B with uh, marketing-wise for companies, pretty much. My business partner and I do, I guess you can call it high-ticket, high-level um, marketing consulting in kind of a weird digital world of like nerds and stuff. Sweet. I, don't know, I don't know how I got into it, but it's that's what pays the bills now. And hunting, obviously, is our my true passion. And so I took the, my video production stuff. I had a video production company um, along with the marketing company. And now, but, I've kinda... but, but what you're saying is, is that 
the hunting end of it doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know how that is. Yeah, it, it's it's a uh, people have a really effed perception because it um, the nobody's really getting rich in the hunting industry. There are some, but for the yeah. most part, it the struggle is real. Well, it, and that's how I, I guess that's how I got into the marketing world because I was buying cameras and I started editing videos for companies mm-hmm. and that was a way to, to buy more expensive cameras and go more in depth with the video editing. And I think that's kind of our strong suit is high level video quality and good editing. And that's where it came from. And then I just dove further into the marketing end of the spectrum and that's where a lot of the money is. So. Absolutely. Is this going to be, so this story, is it going to be a spoiler to a video? Well, we, we went Facebook live and showed some of the clips in there on this weekend. So no, uh, well, I, I'm Facebook and me are, I, I rarely see anything on Facebook. Yeah, no, we, we, uh, I really, there, there's no like secret. Um, we, we have a series called pursuing the strut that is more highly edited and kind of like the, I don't know, TV style, but we also like getting our content out there as fast as we can just because I just don't, my approach to everything is, is pretty much flood people with as much stuff from your, as much content as you possibly can. So that's why we have the podcast, the videos, Facebook lives, you know, million different things going on. I agree with you. And I think it's relevant and it's cool right in this minute. And then Mm -hmm. in the next minute, there's something else that's cool and relevant. And if you don't capitalize on it in the, in that minute, you're, you're missing out. For sure. I'm with you on that. So you guys go to Nebraska. Yeah. You are from the great state of Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys take your annual trip out there. Hell yeah, and- man. We got to get out there. And start losing our minds here. <laughs> so you, uh, you guys take nothing but bows out this year? Yeah, well, their season opens March 25th, and it's bow only until April – Cause we're going back out next week for a South Dakota slash Nebraska hunt. So we might do the Monday of gun opener, which is April 15th. So yeah, full, almost a full month is bow only out there. So we've been going out. This is my wow. fourth trip. Damn. All right. So break it down. You guys, uh, I'm assuming from the picture, you guys are u- utilizing blinds. Yeah. Um, so I'll kind of give you the background on our Nebraska hunting. It, um, so I started going four years ago, first trip we took way, we went way out West, like almost down to like Colorado area. And, uh, so the, the, the areas were a lot different. I said, I got tired of that drive just because, you know, as a cop, you get two, three days off, you got to make count. So I found a spot about six hours away from us. Um, and we've been hunting that. So it's our third trip to this public area. So we've kind of got some relationships built out with farmers in the area. Um, and this, this time around, we had our spot next to the public that we already had permission for. And the morning that we get there to scout, there is 200 plus birds right across the road. And we, you can see them look like blackbirds on trees. Yeah. (laughs) Watch them, watch them all fly down into a Creek bottom, sit and strut until like 10 AM. Then they split off and they were like breaking off into groups of 20, 30, 10 15 they're going across the road they're like it was it was unbelievable and uh so get my onyx 
little map out, get the people, you know, use a little detective skills. <laughs> and we had uh, permission on that in the next like 15 minutes. So we went right down into that creek bottom, uh, set up two blinds or two different setups and found them that night again, watched them all come back to the roost. Could, you could sit and with binoculars and see them all in the trees again and uh, got in there right away in the morning. So the opening morning was that Monday. Jed had first shot and he shoots a longbow, longbow strictly only. He's gone. So he's all in. <clears throat> yeah. Well, we had one strutter come into five yards. He shot and grazed its back. And then he had, so there was a strutter that came in with like 10 jakes. So as the strutter moves away after he misses, he shoots a jake, hits it just low in the leg. Thought, for some reason, while this is all happening, not to mention we just had about 100 birds pitched down right in front of us Jeez, within like Christ. 60 yards. So it's oh. complete, yeah, it's fucking, it's completely chaos. And um, when when there's that many birds in front of you, you always think that birds are just going to come up and, start you know fucking with your decoys at five yards at some point they will so we passed on a few decent shots before and after the shot and the jake that he shot we thought was a little higher and he did the whole like tuck his ass down hunch over thought he was gonna die and he's sitting there at 20 yards we should have drove another arrow into him because he ended up hopping away and then somehow (laughs) flew when we went up to try (laughs) to finish him off so we lost that one um so we screwed up on about 200 birds that were within 60 yards of us the first morning without killing them. <laughs> That's and impressive. I, I couldn't imagine. That's when impressive. I, yeah. When I say like this creek bottom is like 100, 100 yards wide and probably like where they're landing, it's only like 100 yards um, in length. And they all cross the river at the same place. And we were all within like – so it was <clears> – <throat> <sighs> to say we were upset is an understatement. And then we couldn't, like, we never found them again middle of the day. We couldn't find them in the afternoon. We're like, shit, did we, like, scare the whole flock away? I mean, it's hard to imagine. So then we start panicking a little bit, and we leave our spots in the afternoon a little early, get up on our little vantage point, and they aren't there. So then I start panicking, driving around, <clears throat> trying to locate them to get into the, when they're going to the trees, and we go back to our high spot, like, 15 minutes later and the whole flock's back into the same ditch. <laughs> no, so we're like, I think you must have, they must've came in from the top, like different, what completely different way than the day before. So we go back this, we had moved our blind further into like where they were landing. So like we're all in cause it's our last day. They're going to land like right on top of us. And yep. Morning starts out and here they come. And we had about 40 Jake's and Tom's pitched down to within 25 yards of us and um yeah had one finally pop out and come to like 18 yards and i was able to drill it and that fucker died in like five seconds so i don't know what jed's price where'd you hit him i had a quartering kind of a quartering away shot and i put it right on his like where that white and brown meet so it's kind of like a line on those merriams and i just aimed right for that line kind of it must have been in the wing and it drove through both hips and all the way through his vitals. So, oh, yeah. That'll do it. That's what, definitely, uh, definitely the way to do it. And you're shooting a compound, but was, what, yeah. what head are you shooting? I picked up one of those rage turkey heads on the way out there. 
Nice. Which what the rage turkey had? What's that? Know. Like a two inch cut in diameter, a little yeah. little better than two inch. It was, a, it was a nasty like two blade with like two hooks. So it's four blades. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So two expandables, and then there's like two hook blades that probably just wrecked those things on the inside. <laughs> well, I shot mine last year with a uh, just a rage hypodermic. And yeah. It 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 if it, it it screwed that bird up too. Well, our see the problem last year in Nebraska we had a Jed again. Jed's like on the verge of like ending his bow hunting turkey life because <laughs> last year he had one at six yards <laughs> drove it through the chest of it and the thing walked like nothing happened because he shot straight on and we're thinking those breastplates are so strong that i think he hit it at the right angle and the thing just shot out the side and that thing walked we followed blood but turkeys are him. tough they're tougher than nails man they really are guys crazy. don't give them credit you i mean you 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 splatter one in the face with a shotgun it lights out but um trying to get into their body i mean their vitals are the size of a, a baseball right um right. maybe a little bit bigger and it's yeah if you don't hit them just right um and anchor them a lot of guys like to follow the legs up and take the legs out with the thought process if they can't run they all oh, they can't run away from you and if they can't run they can't fly right um so worst case scenario you just get up on them and then uh strangle them but uh well, that's what we thought on that first – the Jed shot the first day. We didn't, we're like, no way that thing's going to get in the air. And he, we're, he's sneaking up to shoot it again. The fucking thing hops twice and takes off. Flies <laughs> two bitches over. That's just so frustrating. I shot it. I shot one with my bow, and uh, I center punched that son of a bitch. And I climbed up a little embankment, and uh, Brad was with me. And he had – we after that, we decided to let like a deer, let him lay. Like, we'll just let him lay. He'll die. Like it center punched. And uh we went up on the hill, Brad shot a long beard, we come back down, and it was funny because Brad, well, thank God it only you know, one shot. He shot it in his uh his gun jammed. Um actually the uh shotgun shell had expanded inside the the bore of the shotgun and he we couldn't get that shell out. So <laughs> Brad lays his shotgun down at the the base of this bank and I laid my bow down because shit it was thick where this gobbler had went up in. And we walk up, and we're following the blood, and then we kind of lost blood. And I'm like, he's got to be laying in here somewhere. So I looked in this pile of jaggers. And I'm like, oh, there he is. I reach in to grab him, and the son of a bitch hops up and runs out. And his guts are hanging out of him. No shit. And Brad's coming down the hill because, I mean, obviously he heard me. Hey, there he is. And it was like it was like uh, Brad was like a linebacker, and the turkey was a, a halfback. And <laughs> that turkey just made Brad look stupid juked him out of his underpants, got up above him, and then the son of a bitch took off and flew across the valley, and it was futile after that. But, yeah, they're tough little bastards. Yep. You start believing you can't kill them. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm a soul I, – I hate it. I despise it. I'd rather just carry a shotgun. And uh, I just I just think overall with turkey hunting too, it's just like you might as well just shoot them in the head with a shotgun because – my experiences with bows have been just well watching the last two years have been terrible. So which is an awesome topic to bring up. And you're right. Turkey hunting with the bow <laughs> is a miserable motherfucking endeavor. And I hate it. You wound a ton of turkeys. And some guys will be like, oh, they're just turkeys. No, they're it's more than that. 
Um, If you're not going out there to cleanly, quickly kill something, then you have no business. Um, I practice like a son of a bitch to anchor a bird with my bow. And, uh, but I'm with you. Like I've, and I missed a couple too, because they're, they're small targets. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather miss. Um, but I have wounded. I I did wound that one. And, and I was, that was unsettling to me. I didn't like that at all. Um, No, it sucks. Like, and I can speak firsthand. Jed is, that's why Jed always has his first shot because he puts in hundred times more shots than I do in an off season. A hundred times. I mean, it's all he does every single day. Obviously, you got to do that if you're switching over to tra- traditional equipment. But yeah, watching watching him one. struggle for now for two years, that's like holy shit. I don't know. Well, if it's- and even guys that are successful, there's still a ton of birds that get wounded. I know a friend of mine, and I'm not going to say his name, but. I mean, he's been chasing gobblers around with his bow for a long time now and, and his uncle as well. And just horrible, horrible success rates. Like to the point where they're like, what are we doing wrong? I mean, they're hitting them in the right spots. Um, they're shooting them close as shit. And a lot of them get away with archery equipment and they're not like a deer. Those sons of bitches can burrow themselves into the smallest places. You're never going to find them. Well, and they don't really bleed. <laughs> like, no, they don't. Like very little. Yeah, so. you're you're not really going to have success blood trailing a turkey in the spring woods. Oh, and also, I'll, I'll give you a scenario here, and I'll show you. This shows how much how little they bleed. Last year, we took a youth hunter out in Wisconsin, and we had a foot of snow, and <laughs> the kid freaked out and and shot it and wounded it. And usually it'd be game over from there. Luckily, because of the fresh snow, we were able to track the thing for like 500 yards. Ended up kicking it up and flying. It flew across two valleys. But when you follow the blood in in the snow like that, it is literally dot dot ten yards dot ten yards. Yeah, you'd never have a chance in leaves and sticks and normal and green. Yeah, and green and no, with the with no the way. woods growing up. Yeah, no, I'm with you and. I have this like crazy obsession with the bow and, and it is super challenging, but I, I I'm debating in my own mind how to proceed with it because I'm not okay with wound and turkeys. I get I get sick about it. Uh, like literally gut wrenching. I'm not okay with it. Um, because I respect the, the hunt and the Turkey and the whole process. Um, I'm thinking about, I'm only going to shoot him in the head. Yeah, um, is a clean miss. I think that's a lot of the reason why guys do shoot them in the head. It's because mm-hmm. if they miss, they miss, and if they hit them, there's no head. You know. Yeah, yeah, and I think I'm gonna so, go with that. I mean, there's some real high percentage shots, like the old Texas heart shot, yeah. um, which is is a pretty lethal shot on a turkey, which is straight up the old uh, pooper, um, very lethal. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. You didn't. So, but here's, here's the deal on that though. So in order to get that shot, that means they're in full strut facing away. Boom. You sit in that split second of you pulling the trigger. They do one of their psycho fucking little spinnies while they're in. And then you're not, you don't have that shot. That's the main problem. Yeah. You're shooting them in the head. Fine. But if you're shooting in the body, even if you're the best archer in the world, you don't know, like they, they take sudden movements so much that yep. you could have that fucker buried where it's supposed to be and they do one of their little sidesteps or spins, then you're fucked and then you just wounded a bird. So like 
Yep. That's my that's my philosophy on bow hunting with them. I do it because we I can't stay inside and I want to hunt in Nebraska and South Dakota. We have bow tags too because it's early, but I'm with you. Either pound them in the face. Oh yes, that's how I am. And in 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 there's another thing like I turkey hunting to me in spring in the spring, it's a uh, you have all these little wars inside a battle with gobblers and you get this gobbler all fired up and he's gobbling his ass off and you you work him in and he's gobbling his head off to me that this is this is a turkey hunt and uh he's you know double gobbling and maybe triple gobbling and you got him tripping over his beard strutting coming in and then you bring him into the decoys and then you alarm putt he picks his head up out of the strut to get him away from all those buffeted wing feather you know feathers and you shoot him in the damn face and you knock him out. Shotgun wedding style. That to <laughs> me is the epitome of a spring gobbler hunt. Yep. Well, and I also just haven't I don't know when I will this will happen or when I'll like be more mature about hunting, but I just like hold on to every fucking hunt like it's the end of the world. Like if I get a bird within sight and I don't kill it, like I'm depressed until I kill a bird. Uh, shit, no, we would get along well. If one skirts around at 30 yards and I can't shoot with a bow, like I literally, like the first day in Nebraska, I was like so fucking mad. I didn't, we didn't, that and I didn't talk for 12 hours <laughs> until I got an old Milwaukee red in my system. I didn't speak to anybody. Oh my God, God. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. So until I can move on and, and be like mature and like reasonable about hunting, I'm just be like, I'm okay with just waiting for a five yard Texas heart shot broadside or straight head shot. I'm not going to consistently hunt with both. <laughs> well, part of my problem with the bow and, and I was, I was uh, sidetracked by injury with shoulder surgeries, but uh, I was like, I want to do it. Like, cause to me, I'm thinking this is the ultimate challenge, especially running gun. Uh, nothing. Yeah. I mean, I'll utilize a blind with a bow. I, I do believe. Um, yeah, I will. Um, because I want to up my chances. Um, but I really wanted the epitome to me of success in my mind was to kill one running gun with the bow. And I spent over two years accomplishing that. And I was so pissed off along the way at so many different times that I was like, wait a second, why am I doing this? Because I love turkey hunting. And right now I'm just pissed off all the time because <laughs> you, how many times I have birds come in, I can't get a shot or I, I would miss or I get busted or whatever the case may be. Um, the gobbler I shot last year was the 13th gobbler I had within range that mm. I killed. And so I spent a lot of my spring last year pissed off and I should, and, and I mean, I was having fun. Obviously I liked the challenge, but I was still like you. I'm, I was like, what the fuck? Well, that, that bow would have been replaced after about number one. <laughs> well, here's a, here's a perfect, example of, perfect example of me last year. I had this old double barrel for my grandpa and I'm like, Oh, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to, fucking waste of turkey with this like 1920 double barrel shotgun and first time using it turkey skirt out to like 40 yards and they're kind of in the woods something that i should have still should have killed like i had a good enough shot with a normal shotgun and i missed and that fucking thing never saw light of day again <laughs> <laughs> now you will not be coming out of the closet this year again oh <laughs> uh, well, yeah i mean and I, i'm i like i said i i i have i want to repeat with the bow I'm, I want to shoot one in the head, and then if I don't ever carry the bow again, 
I'm okay with that for spring gobbler. It, well, you can call it Nebraska and carry the ball. I mean, it's a great feeling to to kill one with it. Like it's a it's awesome. Oh but, hell yeah, top of the so, world. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's not. I mean, if it was a bow only hunt, yeah. But like like I said, I'm I, I I'm fixing on shooting one this one this spring, and I want to shoot one in the head with the bow. Um, and then past that, I I like carrying a shotgun. I like calling them into my lap and shooting them in the face at point blank mm-hmm. range. And uh, I'm going to play my son. We were talking earlier before you got on. My son got, I got him a 410 to get him out. And uh, I really, I want to kill one with a 410 too. Yeah, and they're, awesome. they're, they're a wicked little gun with that TSS load we were yeah. talking about. So, but yeah, I'm with you. I, I agree. And, and I just, I don't know. There's a lot of guys out there chasing them with the bow because it's the cool thing to do. And they probably have no business doing it. Um, yeah, probably have no business hunting deer with it. Yeah, well, the the reality of hunting is there there is going to be wounded game. Sure, shit yeah. happens. We're hunting with a bow and arrow, and shit happens. But if you are consistently wounding turkeys year after year, shot after shot, maybe it's time to reevaluate what you're doing and either choose that headshot option. Which, yeah. hey, let's be honest, a lot of shit can go wrong with a headshot and some guys they can't hit the broadside of a goddamn barn to begin with. And even if they're shooting at the head, they're going to hit them in the body. Um, yeah. And, or um, like my ideal shot is in my mind. eye for this year is I want to get a gobbler strutting in working my decoys. Um, and as he's approaching, I want to put it right on his waddles um, mm-hmm. at the base of the neck. And that's where I'm going to put my pin. I want him sub 20 and I want to cut his head off. Yeah. If I miss, I'm going to be putting an arrow into his body though. I feel like as long as the angles right though, it should be a high percentage into the vital shot with a, you know, I'm shooting a mechanical, a two plus inch mechanical. Um, it should be a high percentage shot, but I, I stand the chance of wounding a bird, even aiming at the head. Yeah, he hit a little bit lower. You're going to run in the situation that we had last year. The fucker drives into its chest and just shoots out the other side. Well, yeah, and, and that breastbone that separates the two pieces of breast meat is – it's a battle bone. I mean, them them yeah. birds, those they, they use it to beat the shit out of each other um, along with their spurs and their wings and their beaks. So that's – yeah, that's I, that could easily glance an arrow, especially yeah. a mechanical. It could cause all kinds of shit to go wrong quick. Good thing about a headshot, too, is I will say one of my breasts on that turkey I shot was a little bit beat up. Like, I only could use half of it because it went all the way through its body like that. So, And I, we, I like eating turkey meat, so that, that was oh, Dude, I love turkey. Wild turkey breast meat is incredible if yeah. you know how to cook it. I mean, if you just – don't just slap it on the grill, okay? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work. No. Or, or nor just throw it in the oven and bake it. It doesn't work either. Um, but no, yeah. my my two go tos are I made yesterday, cubed up, let it marinate for like two days, and then wrapped in bacon, jalapeno poppers, cubed turkey, and then we do a pressure cooker, like uh, tear it apart, kind of like pulled pork, so it's pulled turkey meat, and slow cook it like that, and have it on sandwiches or potatoes or whatever when you do your turkey poppers do you fry them or do you how do you how do you final cook them? used to well always cook the bacon beforehand in the oven so the bacon gets crispy but once you wrap it in the bacon i used to grill it and now i recently got one of those air fryers 
Oh yeah. Pop them fucker in there. That thing was those were even better than grilling. In the air fryer. How yeah. long? I'd say it was like probably six, seven minutes. It's one of those you just like look at it. I don't think there was a whenever the bacon starts getting crispy and the the meat, you can kind of see the meat. Doesn't take much to cook it. That's awesome. I'm gonna have to try that. I like uh there's a recipe and I, I'm not a cook at all, but you, you cross cut you cross cut the meat against the grain, pound it out um, with like a, a tenderizing hammer, and then you add spices to it and, and go that route. Um, mm-hmm. And then you almost kind of like I put it in like a olive oil and fry it up, which is really good too. Um, but it's not as uh, it takes too much goddamn work. <laughs> I'm a, my biggest thing with turkey meat is getting it marinated for a couple of days, like getting that acidy. Like I always put lemon juice and, and shit like that and getting that acid to break down that meat to tenderize it a little bit. So you use lemon juice as your marinade? Uh, I usually use whatever. I use whatever I have in the fridge, but yeah, I always throw like lemon juice and like anything acidy in there. Scott, you got you guys are real big on the, the game cooking. What What's your favorite turkey? Prep. Ryan makes some kind of fried balls and marinates them with something. I don't even know. I'll have to ask him. But we made a post on it last year. He shot a bird at like 1130, and we had it by noon. You know, we were eating it at noon right <laughs> behind his house. Super That's simple. Awesome. I mean, it took, took him a couple minutes to make it. But, it, you know, a great quick little, you know, lunch meal. It's nothing special by any means. But So he cooked that, like – so you guys, do you guys had it the same day? I've never, I haven't had anything where you could like, I pulled it like right out of the turkey and cooked it up and ate it. I don't yeah, think. I mean, I thought it was great too. I didn't yeah, have any awesome. of that um, acid taste that you were mentioning. Maybe it was, uh, maybe it was covered up by whatever he marinated it in and cooked it with. But I mean, I, know, I, I was saying with the marinade, just get anything that has acid in the marinade because it breaks down the, um, the meat. Yeah. Oh, okay. I got you. I got yeah. you. I hope I'm not eating turkey that tastes like acid. I think that'd be yeah, something wrong with say, that. What's going on? <laughs> well, in Wisconsin, I might believe it. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah I know you have, you have a bad impression kind of, of Wisconsin. Turkey, like you were I do. Before. It's not even fair. We talked about that on your podcast when I came on. Yeah, the uh, Making the Murderer documentary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good episode. I actually – I don't – I actually – I can't stand – the sound of my voice which i'm surprised that anybody <laughs> listens <either>. to <laughs> i'm surprised <laughs> anybody listens to anything that i'm on or touch um but i listened to that whole podcast we did on your uh on your on your show and it, I, I i enjoyed it it was i laughed i, I actually Good. laughed the whole time listening to it because i'm such a dumb fuck well, we're gonna have um, to get you we're gonna get all you guys back on because now we're doing that facebook live stuff and it's pretty cool so we record and run a, a live at the same time Oh hell yeah! Just nice, let us know. Nice. I'm I'm game for that. What uh What do you got in store now for turkey hunting? Uh, we are going to South Dakota next week. Uh, so we're hunting South Dakota for two or three days with Bo, and then the place in South Dakota is only an hour. Well, that's another thing. It, it was supposed to be an hour from where we hunt in Nebraska, but Nebraska is so fucked up, and South Dakota is with roads right now that I didn't realize that a state highway can be just washed away. But it happened. <laughs> no shit. We got, we got detoured, like, it was two and a half hours, and it's, it's only, like, 50 miles. Wow. Holy shit. I'm not kidding. Legit washed away. Um, and 
So, and that's so, how we ended up having to think of somehow, somehow a dirt road was more successful than, than the main highway. So in Wisconsin, you guys have Eastern turkeys, right? Yeah. Only. And then in Nebraska, you guys, where you're at Merriam's. Yeah. So it's, we're in a cool area because generally I wouldn't expect there to be so many Merriam's cause we are pretty far East. But uh, someone explained to us when we were in South Dakota, because we stopped out there on the way to Nebraska to set up uh, some spots. And they said that they released or reintroduced a bunch of Merriam's like 20 years ago along the oh. Missouri River. So there's like pockets like where we hunt that is pretty much strictly Merriam. I've never even seen. Wow. Uh, I saw an Eastern last year where we hunt in Nebraska, but we didn't even see an Eastern this year. Wow. Dude, that's awesome. So I know like in his, his uh, Uber turkey – retarded as i am um i really don't have any desire to shoot all the subspecies but the one that i would want to shoot would be the merriams i just think they're yep, absolutely beautiful they are there's like they're like they're the prettiest birds you can think of <laughs> yeah the, the rios don't do it for me the osceolas look like snake birds yeah they're disgusting well, I mean, think about it. they're fucking in swamps in Florida with other yeah. all the other freak species down there and freak <laughs> people that live in the swamps. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's true. And they're just some they're some gnarly birds. They got some wicked spurs. Yeah, they, they do I know. I've been seeing pictures of that. That's awesome. And I'm just jealous of everybody right now because I'm still sitting here waiting. Yeah. It's it's a long wait for another, another four weeks practically. Uh, really, our yeah, Wisconsin opens Wisconsin opens uh, a week from Wednesday, so See? we're going to be in South Dakota, then we in Nebraska, and then we come back and start hunting in Wisconsin like the next day. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, we uh, we're it's it's goofy here. So in Pennsylvania, the youth opener, the youth day is the twentieth of April. Yep. Then the regular season comes in the twenty seventh. Um, I'll get a little bit of a jump start because West Virginia comes in. It's it's screwed up. It comes in on a Monday, so it like totally screws me. But it comes in the fifteenth on a Monday, um, and then it runs like into the second week of May. But yeah, Pennsylvania's got a kind of a late season in my opinion because the birds are going bonkers. They're going absolutely oh, yeah. ape shit. That's how that, I was watching. That last this week in April, first week in May is my favorite in Wisconsin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yep. I would assume you guys are probably pretty similar. Yeah. The, similar. Yep. Exactly. If the first week of May, if you don't have it done after that, I mean, you can kill birds through the whole season. Don't get me wrong. Um, and I've killed them up into the last week, but the, it's really hot that first week of May. I don't like, like bugs, man. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. I hate mosquitoes. I remember one time two years ago. So we have six seasons each year a week. So. When it starts next Wednesday, they run continually one through six, and they start every Wednesday. So the last season gets into like late, late May. And uh, two years ago, I had a video of so many mosquitoes around me, and yeah. I just I put the camera down and I just left. <laughs> That's the last time <laughs> I'm hunting this year. <laughs> so what do you uh, you guys got tick tick problem out there? Yeah, I'm sure we do. I don't really do much with it. Um, I've probably had like four or five on me my whole life, but I, it's just one of those things where people, Jeez. some people have like, like my dad will walk out like out in our yard and have 
like 10 on them. So it's yeah. just, it seems like certain people get them. I don't know. But yeah. It's definitely a problem. We we're, we're, we got a, a pile of them and uh, I just actually picked up some of that uh, insect shield clothing and uh, I'd really like to get some of the ASAT with this stuff in it because it, it's becoming more and more of a problem every time you go outside. Yep. Um, you're getting ticks Bad. on you. And I use the uh, Sawyer products. I use their permethrin and I treat all my hunting clothes and I'm really, really, really anal about it with uh, my son. Cause I, last thing I want is for him to get Lyme's disease or some mm -hmm. fucked up thing that they carry now. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I was curious if you guys are getting whacked with them. Cause we were just out scouting the other weekend and, and I had pulled a couple off my leg and I'm like, ah. Yeah, unless it's brutally cold, you can pretty much get them all year round here. Unless it's cold, yeah. cold, unfortunately. Same. I just I don't need, I don't know if I just ignore it or what, but I just take a shower when I get home from being in the woods and yeah, because they they definitely like freak me out. Like I had one actually that shot on like mm -hmm. last year, and I was like freaking out for like two weeks because that fucker was like buried in there. I had to like I found it like a day later. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, they're creepy little bastards. That's I've been that, using. You just, it, the only way to protect yourself is the the prevention methods. I mean, once they're on you, it's it could be over. That Sawyer stuff. Since I've started using that, Joe is night and day though. Oh yeah, night it, and it, day. Yeah, the I thought it was like another insect repellent where it's all a bunch of bullshit. But that stuff, for whatever reason. Yeah, Taylor. If you ever, if you, so it's it's Sawyer products, and it comes in a yellow container. Just Google Sawyer products. Um, and it's, you get their permethrin and you, uh, what you do is you, there, there's multiple ways you can do it, but the correct way to do it would be to turn your stuff inside out and spray your clothes, flip them, let, let them dry or flip them and then spray the outside. You yep. need six ounces per item of clothing, whether it's pants, one sock or your hat, you get about six ounces of this stuff on them and it lasts for 40 days or like six washings yeah mm -hmm. so i can literally treat my stuff before turkey season and i'm good through turkey season i may like i may add stuff well in in your you're also you're changing your your wardrobe as you go through the season because you're going to lighter weight stuff yeah. but uh yeah it, it it's wicked and i've since i've been using it i have not pulled a tick off of myself yeah and i'll be hunting with guys that don't and uh, this actually this deer season, I had all my stuff treated, not a single tick on me. My buddy pulled seven off of him. Yeah. See, that just, it just drives me crazy. Cause especially when you're hunting late season Turkey and you're like wearing tennis shoes or right short socks and shit like that. And then you start itching everywhere. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I get the, I get the heebie jeebies, but I just, I ordered some stuff from insect shield and game hide. Um, because I also, I, I, it's such a pain in the ass. Like if you don't have your stuff pre-treated, like my hunting stuff, it's easy. Cause I know what I'm wearing hunting. So I pre-treat it all. Um, but like, if you just want to go for a walk in the woods, scouting or whatever, yep. it's a pain in the ass. So I bought these pre-treated clothing and they last for, it lasts the permethrin, permethrin treatment lasts for the life of the garment or about 70 washes. That's so, game hide stuff. Yeah. Game hide. Yeah, and the then. Yeah, and then insect, uh, in the insect shield is the company that treats all these clothing. So even when you yep. buy Game High to Limitech, it's the treatment is done by Insect Shield, and oh. uh, 
it's it's awesome. It's wicked stuff. I bought a bunch of the socks because I figured if nothing more during turkey season, I'm always changing my you know oh, I changed my socks so I don't smell like feet. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I bought a bunch of the socks that way. I, that's like the the base layer of protection for me. But yeah, that's probably the most likely entry point anyway. Is going up your pant legs. You yeah, know, or up your uh, up the rim of my shirt, like the waist of my shirt. Yeah, and what they do is ticks are nasty little bastards. They crawl up on vegetation and they use, yep. they latch onto the vegetation with their back legs, and they actually hang off the vegetation with yeah. their front legs extend their front legs extended, and they just grab onto whatever comes this, in contact no, with the, them. What they are is disgusting freaks. Yeah, I don't like anything that's sneaking around. That's why <clears throat> I'd be afraid to. <laughs> <laughs> be afraid to hunt down in Florida because you got all those fucking snakes that are sneaking around yeah, on you. Tarantulas. Yeah, and, and the tick is an arachnid. And, yeah, I, I just despise them little bastards. But so it's, I've been trying to take more precautions, especially, especially with my kid coming with me. I, I don't want to get him. Well, you mentioned, I, you mentioned some hiking. I personally have a vendetta against just normal people hiking. I think it's the dumbest, dumbest thing in the entire world. <laughs> how many miles, how many miles have you put on shed hunting this year? <laughs> None. Uh, None? No, Scott, I, Scott and Ryan, they do a little bit more. Yeah, what was that? I, I missed the question. I was wondering how much you guys have been doing shed hunting because it's my first year actually shed hunting because I was, before oh. I was like a negative shed hunter too. But yep. um, I found my I found one this year, so I'm all, I'm all buying in. I'm an expert. So Yeah, you're a shed hunter now. <laughs> you need to start a new Instagram, post, yeah, Shed Crazy. What is it? Yeah. Hashtag shed rally. I've yeah. Been I've been rallying lately. You're official. Yeah. So last year, my kid learned that the deer shed their antlers mm-hmm. and he wanted to go look for them. And I'm like, Oh God, here we go. I'm like, all right, we'll go out. We found two, mind you, we got lucky as hell. <laughs> um, I'm not a shed hunter. I think it's the dumbest thing in the world. What I do do in the spring, the late winter, as as thaws happening like February into March, I scout. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if I would ever find a shed, that's a bonus. Um, I don't go looking for sheds. I think it's uh, once again, I think it's dumb. Uh, okay, that's cool. I mean, I, I get on Scott because I know Scott and him. They they look for him a little bit more than me. I need a, a match set for rattling antlers. Um, I'll never find a set worth rattling with but uh yeah these guys they really get into it i could see like out west with the elk the elk and the mule deer with these giant antlers but yeah they could sell them out there too so there's a little bit of added bonus yeah i sell them even i i it's just it's well i will say right now is the perfect time i've been doing it pretty much daily now shed hunting slash the only legit shed hunting i've done is we have two standing bean fields around our property that have been we're fucking loaded with deer all winter so i have walked one of them but i'm just 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 breaking down like 10 acre parcels in each each of a section of the farm and going and walking that either jet because we just break we're pretty much just breaking down the farm and um doing stuff that you couldn't do during season or even like late summer, I wouldn't want to go down in some of those places. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's mainly what it is for us too. Don't get me wrong. We're going <laughs> shed hunting. I'm yeah. not going to hide that at all, but you're getting more out of it in terms of scouting than shed hunting. I think. So. Oh yeah. I mean, you see those, all those trails and you yep. see old rubs and scrapes. No vegetation. At least, yeah. at least here this year, the snow matted everything down like crazy. So you could really see 
everything, you know. Well, I use it. I mean, I just any excuse to go outside yep. and and get the kid out and go out and explore and stuff. And I mean, I always got my eye open for him, but I don't. I really try not to fall into the I'm going shed hunting. But well, if you know, I fall into that, then I won't be able to control myself, and it'll be take over <laughs> my life. <laughs> hey you know what you can do and i you you mentioned on x and we're i'm using that hunt wise mapping now but uh you could use the tracker on that yeah i have been it's cool though it's cool because it saves and then you you can see how you like so like we're like systematically going through each uh, like yep. parcel in the farm so you can kind of see and watch yourself like break down the farm so making sure you're not missing spots in your grid and stuff yeah which would be a great tool for also if you uh, if you hit a buck or something during archery and you need to go to that grid pattern search if you okay. run out of blood, you could turn on that tracker and make sure that you're not missing missing spots. Where oh, it's an is. amazing tool and it works 100% in no service. Oh yeah, yeah. As long as you have GPS, yeah, the GPS on your phone. I uh, I I was using it. I've been using it to mark different spots where i've been seeing gobblers this spring and strut zones um and trying to go back from memory and mark some of the old spots that i know um not not that i don't know where they're at but it's nice to be able when you're pissed off and frustrated and chasing gobblers around and stuff uh pull up that map and you can look and be like oh yeah let's go check this spot um mm -hmm. you know something you overlooked these these mapping apps are pretty cool um, oh, I like amazing. I like the HuntWise one because the HuntWise one um, has some different features in it that you well they have like like their version of Instagram on there which I I could do without um, but it's it's cool because like you can post pictures on there and then you can have a, a I have a little tighter knit community on there that I I follow and and look at their stuff um, but you also have a weather app on there which it gives you really yep. detailed weather wind direction and it also gives you like those predictions like what the best time is um and then the one really cool thing is is it has a little thing where you put in where your stand's at and it will actually show you where your wind is going from your stand yep oh yeah and, and it kind of relates it to the train which is really freaking awesome I, I find myself just playing with it with known stand locations. I'll, I'll put in, you know, I'll, I'll punch in my stand and then with the different winds, whenever they're happening, just check it to see where my wind may be going with, you know, the terrain and stuff, which is a really cool feature on that. I think I used to have something like hunt. Is, what that used to be called like hunt stand or something. Yeah. Well, That's it's what I use currently. Yeah, it, it this is hunt it's it's hunt wise. It's an orange the actual app is it's an orange background with a white antler on it. Yeah. And it's called Hunt Wise. And they have they have two different versions. I found that their their maps are a little bit more accurate than on X. Um the landowner lines and oh, also yeah. the actual landowner. It's actually correct more times than it isn't. Well, don't um, ever go off of, well, not saying ever, but don't ever solely go after off of Onyx hunt when you're hunting public land or you will get fucked. Yeah. Oh yeah. Their, their lines aren't right. And that's what I found out. And that's why I like the hunt wise. It's a lot that's more good. accurate. Well, their and overlays are wrong too. Like in Nebraska, there's a thing called uh, school land and 
for some, I guess it's one way to generate revenue for the schools. School owns a bunch of land they, and it re- rents it out to farmers. It's not public. And it shows as like, so like in Onyx, there's like blue overlay or I don't remember what, what color it is, but whenever you see that, that's supposed to be public. Well, mm. we went, we were literally about to get on property last year and I just didn't feel right about the, at the gate being like no hunting. I'm like, well, this doesn't seem public. It's like we called the game board and they're like, yeah, that's not public. Like don't, like we know Onyx has it marked like that, but don't go on any of that stuff. Yeah, I'll be damned. Mm. Yeah, I, I found, like I said, I just, I, I, I found a lot of inconsistencies with Onyx and I'm not finding them with HuntWise and I'm really putting it to the test um, yeah. and using the piss out of it. And the, also when you, when you punch, when you tap on the land owner, like on the, uh, the, I don't know, whatever, the court owned off area that they have marked as that, this private landowner, you click on it, it will actually has a search function. It'll look for a phone number. So it gives you the name, the oh, address. Oh, the that's amount, awesome. The amount of property. And then and when you touch it, it'll, it'll search all the li- listings for a phone number. Now, it doesn't work if, they don't, if their number's unlisted, but most, more times than not, you'd be surprised at how many people still have landlines. Which Well, that's what, I do with, that's what I do with Onyx. I just get the tax parcel information and then yep. Google search the, uh, either just the town and the person's name or something, and usually Google will pop up the number. Yeah. Yep. See, save yourself a step. Yeah, that's awesome. It, yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. I I've been very very happy with the switch over. It's got a lot more detailed maps too. When you actually zoom in, you're actually seeing detail. Like the it, the resolution is just a, a a shit ton better on the maps, which doesn't seem like a lot, but it to me I'm. It, it it does it's a lot better and it, it'll show things that onyx doesn't um not trying to sell you on it but it's just clear and obvious facts here seems like you have a something in in stake with them not yet <laughs> not yet <laughs> maybe in the future um the we we came across them they're actually a michigan-based company um out of grand rapids and the hot boga guys are from grand rapids as well and oh really as that yeah as that small world gets smaller um hunt wise had messaged i think they had messaged us and they're like hey you guys are from michigan um you guys are doing some pretty cool stuff have you tried our app and uh we all gave it a shot and like i said it was it was really night and day difference and i deleted on x and uh i'm now using just it <clears throat> um so yeah it it, it like i said it, they're they're we're, we're looking to work with them in the future some more. Like, I, I just think they have some, some added options and a better platform. Right. Onyx is all about the, all about the marketing buck. Yeah, and they do, well, they do a good job of that. Like from a marketing perspective, they do. They oh, have, yeah, yeah, they're a dominator. They're, they they're dominating the, uh, the market. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm more over. I like, I'll, I'll go with a smaller, lesser known company if they're putting out a better product. That's, yeah. just, that's my thoughts on it. Plus they they're they're pretty cool guys. They they are pretty cool. They're they're little they're personal right, and stuff. Right. So. Right. But yeah. what is uh what's so besides going back to so you go you're gonna go back to Nebraska. You guys are gonna be hitting up South, South Dakota, Dakota yeah. and then or and that's gonna be with bows. 
and yeah. then then you'll transition into the gun. Are you doing a hard transition like gun season, yeah. turkey starts, and the bow is going away till deer season? Counting down the days. <laughs> um, I might bring the bow back in Wisconsin, possibly if like. Only way I can see it happening is opening day here. Um, I might we might be dual filming with somebody who wants to shoot with a bow. Um, might bring it along for that just because we'll be in a blind anyways. And they are fucking stupid the first couple of days of the season. So like, <laughs> yeah. they should be coming up to like five yards anyways. So maybe, but other than that, after probably the first couple of days, it, it will be put away. Yeah. I don't know what I'm, I'm taking the gun to West Virginia and it's a lot of public land. So I'll be, I'll be scatter gunning it. And then I'll probably, like I said, my plan is to take low, you know, my son out on the opener for youth. And then I'll probably dummy up and I'll have the uh, bow for our, for our PA opener. See how it goes. Yeah. What I, about you, Scott? Shotgun. I can't even <laughs> contribute to this because I've never even hunted a damn turkey with a bow yet. Every other animal I'd much rather shoot with a bow. Turkey. Sorry. Yeah. Well, you I mean you put yourself through enough stress August through uh December with a bow. <laughs> I almost feel like I start hating the thing. <laughs> oh, it, I think archery is a love hate. I mean, I love it, but there's days where I could throw the son of a bitch. Yep. It just shows how much you need to put in, like how much time you need to put in. Even when you put in a ton of time and shoot a bunch and you still, because <laughs> I'm a big process like system person. So like if I systematically and, and like in a process break down a deer's movements or get in a situation where I can shoot a deer or a turkey and then um, system like practice and feel good about my bow and it still doesn't go the way I want to, that is just a mind fuck. Yep. Yes. Yes, it is. Well, and I, uh, I had picked up the RK one and was playing with the, the whole trad, uh, trad or die trad life. And, uh, <laughs> brah, it's, it's not for me. Uh, I I'm not, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just, I love shooting my compounds. I love the, the technical aspect of it. I like, I, I like putting my arrows where I'm, where I am intending to put them. And I like shooting at little further distances and the, uh, I went to a trad shoot this winter and it was a bunch of, bunch of fucking weirdos yeah. and I left. I, I walked in, I looked around <laughs> and I left and, uh, that's hilarious. I really haven't picked it up that much since then. I took it out. Me and me and the boy went out stump shooting one day and we were walking yeah. around the woods, chasing arrows around. I'm like, this is fucking stupid too. Um, I'm, See, I'm literally, I'm reason, walking all around the woods chasing arrows. The reason why Jed is trad only, he didn't exactly have a normal upbringing of his archery life. His first deer he killed with a bow was a 200-inch buck. Holy. When he was 17. Heck? Yeah. Oh. Went and hung, a, hung, hung the stand that day. Oh, my God. On a practically public piece of property. Like, it's a ski resort around here, and they just happened to get permission. He was 17. Sat Holy there that shit. afternoon, this fucking thing, first deer he saw, first deer he's ever shot. Holy with shit. So he's kind of like, I can understand where he's, he's like, oh, I just kind of want to, like, you can't ever really top that. He definitely <laughs> has a position to top it. So that's why he's kind of gone to the trad. Wow. I mean, there's, I mean, there's something cool about it. Like the, oh, the no sights and stuff like that, but I don't know. I just, I shoot about 
three arrows with focus and then i'm like this is stupid i just don't i don't have the patience or the time to put in like 20 hours a week of shooting yeah i don't have the time with coaching sports and work and the kids and stuff and i don't have the time to be proficient highly proficient and i'm not good at being not good um so i i don't like it for that and i I don't know it's just uh, i don't know it's weird i'm just I I put it in the case for now. I was gonna I was gonna get rid of it, but I I'm hanging on to it just in case I wanna. Go well, here's here's up. a good example of a turkey getting shot by one. Last year opening day, Wisconsin. Um, I got done with work at 11 p.m. the night before. Drove down to where we all usually meet up, which is like two and a half hours away. So I got there super late. I wasn't there to supervise these fuckers when they were <laughs> drinking, and all decided that they were gonna carry trad bows the next morning. So I wake up. <laughs> After an hour of sleep and everyone's like getting their trad bows out. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And people, we uh, sleep in a shed that has like an archery set up in there and they started shooting them. I'm like, no, 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 no. We just came back from Nebraska. That whole nightmare just unfolded. I am not going through this again with trad bows. Well, they all brought them out there. The guy that I was filming puts one like right, like through and through this turkey. Thought it was dead. Thing walks like nothing happens. Like, what the hell? Start blood trailing it. Jed happens to, like, go down in a ditch and, like, flank out in front. Pretty much we jump the thing, drive it to him, he shoots it while it's trying to run. Its guts are hanging out. That's four hours after the shot. A trad bow arrow went through the fucking body. Guts are hanging out, and it's still trying to get away. It had to be finished off with a shotgun. Holy cow. Well, I mean, that could happen with regular archery tackle, but – right. Well, yeah, and that's that's that was more of an example of. My thing is, is I would miss the son of a bitch at five yards. I'd miss it at fifteen, and then I would send a hail mary at fifty, and I would hit it in the head. <laughs> right, that sounds it, about right. Total luck. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I don't know. I like I said, I, I, I walk it. I'll walk out with that when I was shooting it, trying to shoot it consistently, which was not consistent at all. I would walk out and my first arrow would miss and my second arrow would hit and my third arrow would hit. And then I would walk up, get those arrows. I'd walk back and my first arrow would hit. My second arrow would miss. My third arrow would miss even further. Then I'd be pissed off and then I'd really be sending them. And then my form would fall apart. And it was like, Oh fuck this. This is dumb. Mm-hmm. So I was done. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. It's just not the right time. I really like tuning up a compound walking you know going out and shooting and and just zipping putting arrows in in the bullseye or in the vitals or right where i'm aiming all you know all the way out i I mean i shoot my one i shoot my compound out to 100 yards i don't want to shoot deer that far but i really like the technical aspect of tuning that bow in and shooting it where i want to hit so yeah whatever to each their own i'm not knocking those guys i I give them a lot of respect there's a lot of discipline in that it's just uh it just wasn't for me and then i just i don't know oh yeah they're crazy people well they they jed's not a normal like jed does it he's not a normal person so i would assume most people that do it aren't normal (laughs) (laughs) was he the one that was on with us whenever i was on with i think so the big beard I don't remember because I didn't have video. Oh yeah, up. that's right. That's right. I didn't have video up. I'm yeah. He was he was probably on there asking you about you shooting trad bow. I think I think we did talk a little. Yeah, we talked a little bit about it, and I just I'm not I'm not ready to go down that rabbit hole. Maybe someday, but not right now. I just I got too many other things going on. 
and I like killing. So, yeah, I just, I'm just too much of a little kid. I can't control myself. <laughs> I have to, whenever I miss, I go pout for like a couple hours and. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's it's funny because I, I yeah I'm I'm no different Scott's no different Ryan's no, no different um that's hilarious what uh when 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 will you uh when will your season be done done and over with our seasons go late into May I think I we usually end up I don't really hunt that much after like the first week of May first two weeks of May because I mean last year I did about thirty mornings straight while working second shift. Yeah. So at least I won't have to do that. At least I'll have more sleep this year. Yeah. But I don't. It gets like it gets pretty old after like two or three weeks. Yeah, exactly. You're a zombie, which just adds to when when you uh, have an unsuccessful hunt. It just yep. it, it opens you up, your emotions up even more. Um, yeah, I, th- I think the last time I had last year, I tried. My dad hasn't shot one in a few years, so I tried taking him out, and it had already been like. 30 days in a row i was like falling asleep in the blind oh yeah and i was trying to sneak up i blew up on him because something didn't work out and i was like this (laughs) stressing relationships yeah well let's uh as always man i love talking to you like it's it's great i wish we lived a little bit closer because i think we would all we would all have a freaking ruckus in the woods sounds that way that's for sure yeah (laughs) yeah wait you know what uh, we we got nothing cool to offer over here so one of these days we're gonna have to get we're gonna have to convince you to let us come hunt merriam's with you you gotta come to wisconsin or come to nebraska with us or come bear hunting jed and one of other guys own land in canada so we go bear hunting in canada every year now and yeah we go well i go hunting with yeah. scott and them they got a hell of a bear uh, a hell of a bear gang and we yeah would, that's so you guys do uh that's in pennsylvania right yeah, yeah. that's, that's about the only thing you come out here for probably yeah, it's a wicked, it's a wicked awesome hunt. And I, I freaking become completely obsessed with it. it. It was a good time. But yeah, we'll have to we'll have to try to plan something in the upcoming year or something. But why don't we uh why don't we cause I don't we we're not we don't edit any of this, so uh, as we as we recorded it, it's going down. And uh <laughs> we're 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 on a we're 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 pushing a pretty long one here. Let's get back on in June and let's let's just kind of talk about let's get back on and talk all the turkey hunting that happened, all the madness and all the blow ups and all the success. Let's yeah. try it around June. We'll run till uh we run right to the end uh right to the end of May. We'll finish up before June and then we'll hop yep. on and we'll uh cap off the turkey season and then we'll all be switching gears to deer. Um but yeah, let's definitely do that. Let's get back on here and do this again. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I think our trip to Canada is that last couple of days of May. I think that first nice. week of June. Oh, so you? Oh, so yeah, that will give us something else to talk about too. Hear how that went. Yeah, that'll be my first time up there. Finally, I, I since I, well, I was a cop before, I had to choose. I thought choose chose whitetail and and turkey time to take off. But now I'm excited, so I'll be able to go on. We're heading out west, doing mule deer in Wyoming, and all that shit coming up in the fall. Oh, dude, that'll be sweet. Yeah, you you'll have a lot. Of, you'll have a lot more time to hunt and and get get some cool stuff going on. So, for yeah, sure. let's. Uh, well, I mean, we'll be we'll be talking in the meantime, but let's uh, let's plan for uh, let's plan for June. Sounds Perfect. good. Good meeting you, Scott. Yeah, you too, brother. You guys right. slap some in the heads. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I can't wait to watch him fucking flop around after its head gets blown off. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you want to yeah. you want to see a good one? That last video we posted, I think it was last week's. Uh, I I called one of my buddies, shot one at like six yards, and he left the fucking hole in its head like this. No oh. shit. Yeah. I've, From I from the wild, you think or what? Uh, I don't know. I'm not pro- probably, but yeah. I stuck a. I could stick one of those five hour energies in his head. Good lord! Literally stuck it in there. That's how big the hole was. So he he, he was shit. he was dead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. the fucker he almost missed him. He so he was like he was like strutted up, had his head like kind of bent down, and he just caught the top of its forehead, and he just <laughs> put a hole right in. Oh, it. I think I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, I, think one, we, I think we posted it this week, so it's probably the latest video we posted. I probably I probably Brutal. seen it too, but that one that last year that one I shot at like four steps, I almost missed. That's you, your margin for yeah. error is is minimal there because yeah. your, your shotgun's like a bullet going out there yep. for sure. All, All right, right guys. well, it Thanks was great. Hey, we're ending it. It's over, <laughs> and uh, it's gonna keep recording until James kicks it off. But uh, hey, Taylor, sorry, sorry, we're so many like rescheduled dates on you man no dude that's fine how it goes we had a critical incident this morning i was like uh, this morning we had a critical incident and i was like holy shit i was like i'm not rescheduling let's get this thing over with but you know how that that's how life is but yeah it, is. it my i still i'm still living the suck so <laughs> i'll uh i'll be in touch i'm gonna kick kick off i just saw my my i just uh just gotta get get caught back up on my day now but it was worth it so yep. sounds good guys take it All easy right. good luck yep later